Hey, it's Zach here, and super quick before we dive into the show. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you have subscribed to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter, because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'll even send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter. All right, on to today's episode. My name is Zach Arnold, and I'm a former Hollywood film and television editor turned career strategist and the creator of Optimize Yourself, where I help artists, creatives, and storytellers just like you design the more balanced, more sustainable, and more fulfilling creative career that you deserve. In a nutshell, I'm Tim Ferriss meets Ted Lasso, minus the mustache, because I am obsessed with both learning everything I can about optimizing human potential while also inspiring you to realize yours. If you are ready to step outside your comfort zone, let's dive right in and unlock the optimized version of you. Hello, and welcome to the Optimize Yourself podcast, where I share honest and candid conversations with best-selling authors, world-class athletes, Hollywood legends, elite experts in a variety of fields, as well as everyday people that are achieving extraordinary things. It means the world to me that with all the podcast choices out there, you have chosen to invest your valuable time, energy, and attention with me. Now, before we get started, don't forget to visit optimizeyourself.me slash podcast so you can subscribe, leave a review, and so you can also download your unique customized podcast playlist where I'm gonna send you the five best expert interviews from our archives to help you achieve your specific goals. So on that note, without further ado, let's get right to today's guest. My guest today is Wesley Silvestri, who's a two-time American Ninja Warrior, a highly decorated and award-winning real estate professional, a Spartan racer, a Tough Mudder, the creator of Ninja Beach in Santa Monica, California, and he's also a former golfer and a stand-up comedian. Using Wesley's own words, he has, quote-unquote, professional ADD, and he wants to do everything, but the key is he wants to do everything well. Wesley also happens to be one of my primary Ninja Warrior training partners who has inspired me to push past my current abilities and become a stronger and more well-rounded human being. There are few people that I've met in my life who are more positive, energetic, and encouraging, all while being brutal and relentless all at the same time. In our conversation today, Wesley and I focus on what it takes to become 1% better every single day. We talk about the hardship that he's faced in his life, including waking up one morning to find his roommate dead and then battling a year of depression because of this. And we also dig into the idea of being intentional about your progress because it's not just about putting in your 10,000 hours. It's about what you do with those 10,000 hours that actually counts. All right, without further ado, my interview with American Ninja Warrior, Wesley Silvestri. I'm here today with Wesley Silvestri, who is a four-time Diamond Award-winning real estate professional with HomeSmart of Valencia. He was named one of Santa Clarita's 40 most influential people under 40 years old. He is the creator and the host of Ninja Beach every Sunday down at the original Muscle Beach in Santa Monica. He's a two-time contestant on the hit show American Ninja Warrior, and I'm starting to run out of breath, and clearly this is way too much to put on one business card. So, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Wesley Silvestri. Oh, a man of many hats. Thank you. Yes, man. That was, that's one heck of an intro, my friend. So as my audience knows, I put myself in the ridiculously, stupidly uncomfortable position of choosing at 38 years old, um, being a father of two and having a dad bod and sitting in front of a computer all day long 
to get on the television show American Ninja Warrior. And if you are somebody interested in American Ninja Warrior in the city of Los Angeles, it pretty much doesn't matter what event you go to, you're going to run into a really tall guy named Wesley Celestri. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> I try and be everywhere. You are very, very good at that. I'm all about networking is a skill that I've really been developing over the years. I have a very socially awkward, introverted nature, but I've learned that networking is a skill that you can actually get better at. And I remember, I don't know exactly when it was, but it was a few months ago, I was over at Tempest Free Running Academy, which is a parkour facility. And most of my audience is like, uh, what the heck is parkour and free running? It's definitely not uh, something that runs in, the, in my crowd, so I can send a link to what that is. Um, but basically, I saw you running around doing a bunch of stuff and I got over my kind of socially awkward, introverted self walked up to you, introduced myself. And within two minutes, it was like, hey, jump off of this bar and then roll <laughs> under this and then crawl across this. I'm like, oh, Jesus, what did I get myself into? Yep, that sounds about right. Yes. So uh, you're into a lot of different stuff. You wear a lot of different hats. And I will say that you are not the first real estate professional, but you are the second. So um, I don't have a lot of those on, but there, we're going to find out why it is that I have a real estate professional on the show. And I know you're a very high performer, so I apologize that you're not the first. Uh, yeah, I'm very competitive. I was coming for that top spot, but you know what second is, uh, is going to have to do. Yes, exactly. Um, so the first real estate professional was a guy named Jay Papazan, who is the also a real estate professional slash New York Times bestselling author of the book, The One Thing, which is a really foundational part of my program. It's one of my most popular episodes. I will put a link in the show notes to anybody that wants to listen to that. Um, but you are also a very high-performing individual. And I would love to talk about Ninja Warrior stuff and hanging off of ropes and you know carrying like bars with dumbbells hanging from them and running down to the beach and back and all these crazy things you have people do. But what I'm really interested in is how people have the right mindsets and the right vision to overcome obstacles in their life and overcome disabilities to achieve their goals no matter what. So that's really where I want to start. So let's kind of go back to the beginning and hear a little bit about Wesley Silvestri's origin story. Oh, this is like X-Men, like my, my original... Where it, where it all came yes, from? This is where it all started. I want to know how Wesley Silvestri became Wesley Silvestri with the best alliterative name ever. <laughs> Pretty simple, man. I come from uh, really humble beginnings. I'm, I come from a very poor family, poor background, and we just didn't have we didn't have a lot growing up, and so we made the best of what we did have. Uh, my dad wasn't around as often as I would like. As a kid growing up, being an older brother, I had to seek. I just, I was always born with that leadership quality. Like I just take people and you know, I mean, you're a prime example of this. I have this big brother syndrome where I just want everyone around me to succeed. Now I had this very simple mantra in life. It's, I just try and keep life simple. Just be the best you, you can be. And that has come around pretty much in the last five years. But from the beginning, I felt like I was always led by misexample in life. You know, my, my mom has an addictive personality, to say the least. Uh, my dad has a gambling issue. Uh, my family doesn't come from any means. And so I just, I've always told myself, I want to be the first legal millionaire in my family, you know? And I want to just lead by example, not misexample that I was brought up in. Like, I'm not, the whole being a real estate professional and, being an American Ninja Warrior, all this stuff. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. Like nothing I'm doing 
is brand new and groundbreaking. All I want to do in life is just travel down a path and then make that path wider so that the people who follow can have an easier time than I had coming up. And, you know, I'm only 32 now and I still have so much more. I feel like I'm 10 years behind schedule realistically because I went the first 20 years of my life just going to school, going to college, finding a job, like doing really nothing, just getting on that, that gerbil hamster wheel of life and just spending a lot of energy doing nothing. And now I feel like I'm actually progressing and like getting all those metaphorical ducks in a row and they're finally paying off. You know. Yeah. Well, the the metaphor of people being on the hamster wheel and spinning and spinning and spinning and being busy and busy and busy and being exhausted all the time and going nowhere is a very common analogy for a lot of the people that come to my program, especially a lot of the people in my industry. Um, I was on that hamster wheel for a long time as well, always kind of running after the next success, but then jumping off the hamster wheel and be like, wow, so I'm kind of in the same place. I've got a little bit more money. I've got better credits. I'm working on bigger projects, but it's still the same hamster wheel. And I don't really... Yeah. And it was like, it's not to say that I'm, I'm downplaying my accomplishments. Like I've been able to accomplish a lot in my industry and I don't want to downplay any of that and make people think that I'm taking it for granted. But for me, real progress is all about you becoming a better and stronger person. And I don't mean stronger physically. I mean, just, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the, be, the best version of you. And I was getting better at specific trades and skills and getting paid a higher weekly rates and working on bigger projects in Hollywood and meeting more important celebrities. But that didn't necessarily mean I was becoming a better person. And that's really, it was about four or five years ago that I kind of had that realization and said, I want to go down a different path where I'm much more focused on just making myself a better, stronger, more well-rounded human being than just being uber successful in one facet of my life. And to go back to something that you said, um, and it's funny, I hadn't thought about this, but now that you say it, it's so glaringly obvious. Like You definitely have big brother syndrome, but I say that in the best way possible. Uh, Because the very first time that I approached you, I was kind of worried like, all right, well, and you were with, uh, with Tyler, who's another guy that's been on the, the show before and has been successful on it. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I know these guys have been on the show. Like, who the hell am I to come up to them? They're doing vaults and they're doing flips on the bars and grabbing stuff on walls. Like, I can't do any of that. So I was really nervous about coming over there where it, I mean, it doesn't take long to look at me and be like, yeah, you're a newbie. It's, it's pretty clear that you're new to this and you don't really know what the hell you're doing yet. So I'm like... I don't really know what the response is going to be, but I have to try. I can't not do it. And like I said already, within less than two minutes, you just became like teacher man. I was like, okay, so we're going to try and get you up the warped wall. And then I did it five times and I failed. And you're like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Just, you know, you switch your feet this way and do this with your arms. Like there was such a level of encouragement that I can see that's just the way you're wired. And you did the same thing the first time I went to Ninja Beach. The funny thing is I've had people that have commented on that video. And, you know, first of all, they're like, wow, you grab rings. That's amazing. I'm like, no, you guys don't get it. Like for a film editor, I'm in pretty good shape. For a ninja, I've got a long ways to go. But what people were saying was, wow, those people are so helpful and so encouraging. That's a really cool community, which is why I'm doing this. It's not about I want bigger biceps or, you know, stronger lats or whatever. Like I need all of those things. But this community of people is so amazing and the camaraderie and the support and the fact that everybody's competing against themselves, 
rather than competing against other ninjas. That's the part of this that I'm so drawn to because that's really a fundamental part of the program that I teach is that you have to run your own race and compete against yourself and not always compete against others. And clearly you also subscribe to that philosophy. Well, absolutely. I actually come from a golfing background and it's so strange when I say this to people, but Ninja Warrior is so, it parallels golf, okay? It's not me versus you. And if you look at any other sport out there, if you went to an arena, there's a good guy and a bad guy. There's your team and the team that you want to lose. But in the ninja community, everybody wants everybody to succeed. And that's what I'm about. That's what my whole mantra is. And just like golf, you have one course and it's not me versus you. It's me versus the course you versus the course. It's who can beat the course the best, who has trained the most, who has got their mind right, and who will better the course. And that's the person who ends up ultimately getting the trophy at the end. Not everybody gets a trophy. And that's what I firmly believe. I don't think people should just show up and get participation ribbons. That's just not how it works. I think you should you should put the work in and then ultimately get a reward out of it. And you know, going down to the beach and being helpful Iron sharpens iron. This is how it goes. I only want to surround myself with people that want it. And if you notice, down at the beach, there's probably only 1% who actually want it. Everybody else wants to try, but the majority just want to... Like Yeah, a lot of people want to try, but a lot of people don't want to put in the energy and the effort. And a lot of people I've noticed when we start getting a big crowd around, like there are times when there are two or 300 people just standing around the course, nobody wants to fail anymore. And I feel like the only way you can learn is if you fail. And side note, I fail, you know, publicly on Ninja Warrior two seasons in a row on some, and I've each obstacle that I've gone out on, I had done the previous show. So season nine, I went out, on the city finals on the cannonball drop, which I had done the night before. Okay. And then this year, season 10, I went out on the spinning balls, the obstacle that I did the night before. So I went in too confident. I wasn't thinking about the task at hand and I failed mentally. And that's just something that I have to get over. But I feel like the only way to succeed is if you fail early. Yeah, and I I could not agree with this more. And that's really the mindset that I got myself in. And I've even written about this in several articles is this idea that if you really want to succeed at something difficult, if you want to succeed at a goal that's easy, fine, stay in your comfort zone. That's cool. You're probably not going to fail. But if you are going to set a goal that's really difficult, that really pushes you outside your comfort zone into the realm of extreme discomfort. I'm not a big believer in working through real pain, but I think that most people disguise discomfort for pain and say, oh no, this hurts. It's like, no, you're just uncomfortable. There's a big difference. But the real mindset that I had to wrap my head around is when I go to parkour class or I go to CrossFit or I go to Dojo Boom or wherever it is, I better be ready to fail and fall flat on my face Uh at least 80% of the time. And not only that, do it around other people that can do the things that I can't do yet. And once I, once I accepted that, it became so much easier to just try anything and it made it fun. So now I'll fall down or I'll fail. And I generally have a smile on my face because it's fun to fail because I know it's making me better. Yeah, it, it, it truly bugs me when I, when I set up the Ninja Beach course and the ninjas that we train with, not the 1%, they'll come down and they'll only work on the things that they're good at. It's like, how are you going to progress if all you practice is the things you're good at, 
Like you have to be adaptable. You have to be good at everything. And that's what Ninja is. It's not just, if you notice, it's not just rock climbers succeeding. It's not just parkour guys. It's not just CrossFit guys. Like you have to be well-versed and well-rounded to succeed. And that's a, in life in general, you have to be well-rounded for whatever comes next. You know, that's why I am a man of many hats. I hate that saying that a jack of all trades, it's like, no, I want to be good at everything. Yeah. And I think that there's a, uh, it's interesting because I've had that conversation many times on the show, not about Ninja Warrior, but just about creative crafts. And there's a very fine line, I think, when you're talking about the jack of all trades, where if you spread yourself too thin with too many things, you're never going to be very good at any of them because you just kind of dabble, but you don't commit. But at the same time, if you put in an extreme level of commitment over several things, that does make you more well-rounded. But I think jack of all trades, at least in my industry with people that do creative work, they're too afraid to really jump in and put in the extra time to say, you know what, like for example, for film editors, I could be somebody that's really good at Avid Media Composer in the software. Or I could be really good at doing visual effects. Or I could be really good at working with music. I myself said, I'm going to be a storyteller. I'm going to learn everything I can about telling great stories, inspiring people, and making them feel things. So for me, it's about making them feel something. When it comes to the software, eh, I'm good. I can do my job and I'm not great at it. But I lean on other people that are better than me. But at the same time, to, to look at what I do as a podcaster or a documentary director or training for American Ninja Warrior, you could say, well, that's a jack of all trades. You can only do one. But I put the same equal level of commitment and intensity into those things. And it sounds like that's exactly the way you look at it as well. Yeah, I actually, I have two main passions in life and that is fitness and real estate. And so what I like to do is I sandwich them together. So in the morning, I'll wake up early, I'll train in my garage or at the gym. And then during the day is fully committed to real estate. And then at night, back to the gym. So you're doing two a days all the time because I, unlike a lot of these other guys, they have the ability to train 24 seven because they either own gyms or their trainers or coaches or whatever. But I, I don't have a nine to five. I have a, when my phone is on, that's when I'm clocked in. That's the beauty of, you know, being independent is that you never clock in, but the downfall is you never clock out. You know, my, it, my business is 24 seven. So if my phone rings at one in the morning, because I have a client that's on the other side of the world yet, yeah, I have to answer that because I don't want to be one of those people who isn't there for my, my business. So it does make it hard. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but even when I'm down at the beach or at Tempest, if my phone goes off, I'm sprinting over there because I value every client's time, which I don't think a lot of other agents do that. Like when they, it frustrates me to no end when I'm out showing houses or whatnot and I call and the other agent on the other side doesn't pick up the phone. It's like, how are you representing your client to the best of your ability if you don't even want to answer the phone? It, it drives me insane. My sincerest apologies for the interruption, but if you're a creative professional who spends long hours at your workstation, not only is the following promo not an interruption, but listening has the potential to change your life. Because working with a topo mat underneath you at a height adjustable workstation is a game changer. Let's learn a little bit more from ErgoDriven co-founder and CEO Kit Perkins, creator of the topo mat. The topo mat is the first anti-fatigue mat designed specifically for standing desks. The real benefit of a standing desk is movement. We found 
bringing in this cushioned terrain under your feet, your brain just subconsciously engages and you wander around and you get that movement at the standing desk that you need without even having to think about it at all. People will come to me at an event or a panel and they'll say, I got the topo mat because of you. Even when they had a mat, once they used this one, it was a total game changer. We've just heard time and time again that with topo, we've kind of hit the sweet spot that it's the right premium quality materials and a right shape that people are actually getting benefit out of this stuff. You spend more time here than anywhere if you do creative work the way that I do. So I would rather be driving around in a Ferrari than a Ford Pinto. And I feel like this is the Ferrari of the standing mat. One of the things you don't realize is that at a standing desk, your main interface to the world, your body's main interface to the world is the ground. If you're going to invest in anything at that Ferrari level, it should be what you're standing on. Well, my goal is that for anybody that is a creative professional like myself that's stuck in front of a computer for inordinate amounts of time of their waking life, they're doing it standing on a topo mat. So uh, you and I, my friend, one edit station at a time are going to change the world. I like it. That's a utopian vision I can get on board with. If you're a creative professional looking for a simple and affordable way to stay active, energetic, and focused while spending long hours at your height adjustable workstation, I can't stress enough how important it is to have the right mat underneath you, which is why I continue to share the topo mat as my number one product recommendation. To learn more about the topo mat and purchase yours, visit optimizeyourself.me slash topo. That's T-O-P-O. Well, at least if you're sprinting to your phone, you're getting some conditioning in. So that's that's one way to look at it, right? You can get, get some of the cardio in there while you're on the phone. Um, so where I want to go now, it's going to be a uh, l- little bit deeper, um, could be a little bit more uh, uncomfortable. But one thing that I want to talk about is kind of uh, a pretty transformational moment that you had in your life that I think was, it doesn't sound like you've needed too much spark of inspiration and you're pretty much wired as somebody that's really a, a high performer, a high achiever. And, um, but there was a, a pretty dark moment in your life that kind of turned things for you both first backwards then forward. So do you mind going a little bit into that moment? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, to start off, I have learned that you really find out who you are when you're faced with utter hardship. Like when you have, when there's nowhere to go and you only have yourself to rely on, that's when you find out who you are. And my moment was about six years ago, seven years ago, I walked in and found my best friend and my roommate died. He died in his sleep of cardiomyopathy. And it was a brutal day. He was only 34 years old. And I, uh, it was just one of those where it was this wake up call. It was, you could, I could literally be gone at any moment, which after I found him and he was a healthy guy, this was the thing. This is what launched me into this whole Ninja Warrior and fitness lifestyle is that I've always been in shape, but I've never really cared about it. You know, I just did it because, oh, you should lift weights. That's what you should do. Right. But he was, he was a drinker and a smoker. And one day he just woke up and he was like, you know what? I'm going to go totally sober. I'm going to try and turn my life around because I don't see myself progressing. And he wrote it down on the calendar. And this is the thing too, if you have goals, write them down because a goal that's written down becomes a deadline. And so his goal was to run the LA marathon side note. I am not a runner. Like I may look like a runner, but it's all false advertising. I have no cardio in me. Okay. And so with him on his 100th day of sobriety, he was set to run the LA marathon. Well, 
tragically, he passed away before then. On the buildup to that, he would train every morning. He'd wake up. He'd go for a three to five to 10-mile run. And also in the process, he would sign up for mud runs or obstacle course races. He signed up for a Spartan race, which was two weeks after he passed. I'd never done one before in my life. And to be honest, didn't even know what the hell it was. A bunch of people running in mud sounded like some third world event. But after he passed, I went through this deep depression, which was for those first three weeks. And then one day I was just like, you know what? I'm just to hell with it. I'm going to take his number. I'm going to put it on my back and I'm going to go run the race for him. And that's exactly what I did. So when I got there, I was surrounded by 5,000 sober, energized people who just wanted to be a part of something together that was to better themselves. That's exactly what it was. So I ran the Spartan race out here in Castaic. And what I didn't know is that he had signed up with a group and the group itself had signed up for the 5K. And of course, him being the maniac that he was, signed up for the 10K. And I don't know if you've done a Spartan race before, but it's a six mile workout. Like you just keep, it's relentless, okay? And people are paying hundreds of dollars to do this, which only in America do you have to pay $100 to run in mud when other countries just call that Wednesday, you know? And so as I'm out there, I hit the first mud pit and I see one of the other people and they go, they see his last name on my back knowing that, you know, my name is not long. And they go, they go, you know, we're really, we're really proud of you for doing what you're doing. And then I instantly start crying, but thank God I was covered in mud. So you couldn't see it. I try and keep a tough exterior, but there's a few moments when I've cracked in life. And that was one of them. So I'm halfway through this thing. I'm running through, I'm muddy, crying. I'm a little bloody. There's like barbed wire that you got to go under. And this is my first event doing this. So I'm not good at these things, at these obstacles that are set ahead of me. And all of a sudden, as I'm coming towards the finish line, to anyone that has done one of these, is they present you with a medal, like a little finisher's medal. And I close my eyes. They hand me the medal and I look up to the heavens and I was just like, we did it, man. We did it. And this is the craziest thing. As soon as I looked down, the person had handed me two medals. Why would they do that? Isn't that, that was just the strangest thing to me ever. It's like, I had one for me. I had one for him. And then I went back, I told my wife, she started crying. And I was like, yeah, this is a, this is the community I need to be a part of. And this is, this is what I need to do. I need to motivate and inspire others. And that's the example that I just wanted to give. And ever since that day, I've since ran 25 Tough Mudders, 13 Spartans, a whole bunch of others. And I've thrown myself into this, into this lifestyle, which, I mean, I truly, I only, I have the two passions. Like I said, I have real estate and fitness. And if I can just merge those two together, all is good. Like I don't want to be any other real estate agent. I don't want to be that, that, cheesy sleazy salesman i just want to be there to help people and that that's basically it in a nutshell you know well i can relate to a lot of that i'm working on my second uh, spartan trifecta um i did one a few years ago and i'm working on my uh, next one this year so i've got left to knock off as the beast in october 
Um, and the beast is always the one that scares me because I hate running too. You think you are not made for running and you hate it? I, I could beat you by 10. I hate running and I'm horrible at it. Um, and you can get away with not having a whole lot of cardio and running to do the sprint and the super. The beast, you just kind of have to... You've got to put in the miles and you have to train for that end of it. So but that's an aside. I don't want to go too deep down that road. But I think what's so important to point out, like you said, is you didn't really know what this was and you're doing it to honor your friend. But then you get there and mm-hmm. you're thinking, why are people paying money to mm-hmm. do this? Like, what are you all doing? Right? Like my, exactly my, my sister got me into a, a Tough mutter. I think my journey started, it was like five, six years ago. I don't remember anymore. It all kind of blends together. But I just had my first child. I had, had my son. And just that first year was a really ugly year just for me in general between transitioning to be a father and never sleeping. And I hadn't really landed my like, you know, the, the big uh, career break. I hadn't worked on burn notice yet. So I was still unemployed, wasn't able to find a whole lot of work having a lot of trouble. It was uh, right after the, the market had crashed and we owned a home that we bought at the height of the market. So we went from having you know like a ton of equity in the house to being underwater in like three months. And that's something, you know, the world you obviously know something about. Mm-hmm. It was a really, really stressful time. My sister called me. She lives in Wisconsin. She said, I just did this thing called a Tough Mudder. I'm like, what is that? She's like, oh, it was like 10 miles and you know, running through a bunch of mud and there was barbed wire. There's even electric wires. Like I got shocked by electricity. I'm like, what is wrong with you? She's like, you have to try it. I'm like, seriously? She's like, you have to come out and you have to run one of these with me. I'm like, all right, I'll look into it. And then I saw it. I'm like, okay, like I can kind of see this fitting my personality. I'm not, I don't, yeah, maybe. All right, whatever. I'll try it. I'll do it for her. I'll do it for my sister. I need a reason to get in shape. So that was my motivation to do P90X, which started a whole another giant snowball rolling down a mountain that I won't go into. But I did the first one. And when I got done with it, I was so sore, so out of shape. And, but it was something about it where I'll never forget that I thought right at the very end, oh my God, I'm never doing one of these again. And then the next morning I woke up and I'm like, I so want to do another one of those. That was awesome. And I haven't done like 30 or 40 like you have, but I think I've done 10 or 15 of them since then. And I was super, super inspired to learn more about the, the mindset behind this. So I actually did a podcast interview with Joe DeSena, who's the creator and founder of the Spartan Race. Mm-hmm. And I'm also a big fan of his books as well. And to the reason I'm kind of going on and about this is this concept that he calls obstacle immunity. This is why people pay good money to live like they're in third world countries and crawl under tunnels and crawl through barbed wire because of the obstacle immunity that it develops, which I think also applies to Ninja Warrior, which is why it's so cool to have you here because you are in both of those worlds. So talk to me a little bit about what you've seen in your life, given some of the things you've been through and how this has kind of hardened your ability to deal with obstacles and overcome them. Well, I have, here's another thing that I do too, is that I do obstacle course training with people who are going through sobriety. So I have two friends who, you know, after my roommate had passed, they've come up to me because I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't, I don't party really. I mean, this is really all I do. And they come up to me and they say this, they said, what, how do you not drink? I said, it's pretty simple. I just don't drink. They're like, no, I'm really struggling with it. And so I'll make them this pack. I say, I will pay for your entry for a Tough Martyr or a Spartan, whatever it is that comes first on your hundredth day of sobriety. 
as long as you remain sober. It's pretty simple. And so two primary examples of this, I have these two guys who have never stepped foot in a gym ever. Like they're not overweight, but let's just say they're not really athletic. And one of them's Nick and one of them's Brandon. And so Nick, he sits there and he goes, all right, challenge accepted. So I shake his hand. I said, all right, I'll see you in a hundred days. And so lo and behold, on day 90 something, he goes, I'm doing it. I'm, a, I'm still sober and I'm going to do the Tough Mudder. And so he signed up for the one down in Temecula. Have you done that one, by the way? Uh, yes, I've done that one a couple of times. The event itself is great. Parking and getting to it, don't get me started. That's a whole See, other here's the deal. Not only is the Tough Mudder like 10 or 12 miles, but then you got to walk another mile or two to yeah. your car. That's the hardest part of the yeah. whole thing. It's the but, worst, but hey, we could, we, I could do an entire hour long podcast yeah. about running this Tough Mudder <laughs> business versus running the Spartan business and who's more organized. I won't go down that road. So, yeah. um, but you're, you're obviously, you're telling a much better story, but yes, I've, I've done the one at Temecula before. Yeah. So I, I sign him up for that and we get down there and he walks into it with just deer in the headlight eyes. Like he is just like, oh, I'm in over my head here. And he's never done this. And so I sat there and my little motivational pep talk to him. It's, it's pretty simple. It's, listen, man, this is going to be 12 miles of hell. If you can get through this, you can get through anything else in life. Are you ready to go? He said, yeah. And he, to his credit, got through every single obstacle. And if he failed, he went back and tried again. Like the funky monkey, which is, if you know, it's, it's monkey bars, to this circle ring and it's all over water. And he failed, I think three or four times in a row, but was relentless in his pursuit to just complete it. And so at one point, I think it was like his fifth time, he got up there and crushed it, made it all the way through. And I was so proud of him. And he got through all 12 miles, crossed the finish line, and he still holds that headband, you know, in his room. And it's something he looks, he, you know, being a, in AA and the 12-step program, you get these chips every, what is it, every 30 days, 90 days, something like that. And he has now placed these chips on his headband. So it's all, it's like all encompassing. Like he just, he's so proud of it. And that's something that really I hold dear. It's like I was there to be a part of his journey. And that's what I really love about that. And have you, uh, have you stayed in contact with him and has he done more races since? He has not done any races since, but he is now going on. Uh, this will be his third year of sobriety. So I'm super proud of him. And he's, he's just not turning back. And his life totally turned around. Like he used to be a child actor way back in the day. And then when he went to college and went down that drinking beer pong lifestyle and kind of gave up on his pursuit and then came to me and said, hey, I want to get back into it. And then after doing the Tough Mudder and after being sober for a year, he got his big break. And he's now one of the stars in one of the Vegas shows. Uh, I'm sure if you've heard of Love, the mm -hmm. the Cirque du Soleil show, yeah, he's a part of that, which I'm super proud of him for. It's crazy. So not only is he sober, but he's sober in Vegas of all places. Sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> right in the devil's playground. Yeah, that's that's a pretty tough, uh, uncomfortable spot to put yourself in if you're uh, trying to stay sober. I can see that for sure. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the the saying that they have at the Spartan race, and it's uh, something that it's, it, it's you can explain it to people, but they don't understand it until they've actually done it. But it's that you'll know at the finish line. And exactly. you're going to know what, what do I know at the finish line? Like, what does that mean? Um, but it's, it's, I do uh, something very similar that you do as well, where I will lead groups in these Spartan races for beginners that have never done it before. And they're just terrified. 
like we'll we'll train on the weekends and I'll take them out to you know Calabasas track or I'll take them into the mountains or whatever. We'll do some burpees and do some lunges and like oh yeah no this is tough but I'm I can do this I'm ready and then we show up and you just you their faces go white and like oh my god like. I don't think I can do this. It's like, no, trust me, you can do this. And then I mentioned the whole, you know, you'll know at the finish line. And they're like, all right, okay. And then they cross the finish line and their their entire demeanor, there's just something about them that's different. And they're like, wow, I did that. I totally did that. I cannot believe that I completed that. And to me, it has nothing to do with the accomplishment of the race. It has to do with how rewiring your brain in that way then applies to every other facet of your life, which is what we're talking about is building this well-rounded person. Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, in Tough Mudder, right before the starting line, they get everyone together after the stretching and their little motivational coach says this one question and it has stuck with me ever since. It says, he goes, when is the last time you did something for the first time? Okay. Now with that, I feel like we all, for the most part, do the same thing every week, right? So it is now my goal. And I, ever since I did my first one, I've put this into my life. I try and do something new at least once a week, something I've never done before. Or if I can't travel and, and you know, it just time doesn't allow it. If I'm, doing, if I'm going to the same places like Tempest, my goal is to do something new at that same location that I've been at. So if you ever notice or training with me, I'll push myself to do something brand new. You know, like uh, recently we went to Dojo Boom together, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And if you notice those plexiglass shelves that are on the right side, everyone everyone goes down them one way. My goal was to do it backwards. Like I've never done that before. Trying to see if I can push myself to do the whole course backwards and mission accomplished. I did. So it's just taking that and adding it into the arsenal. Just got to do something new. Got to do something new. Got to grow myself. That's just... Mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever it is I have to do, I have to just better myself each day, each week, and just trying to get that 1% better. I have spent almost 10 years now raving about how much I love my topo mat, and I have finally discovered what I now consider the topo mat of desk chairs, the Core 360. The Core 360, spelled Q-O-R, is designed to keep me constantly moving while seated in an upright and balanced position. To learn more about how it works, let's hear from Core 360 founder, Dr. Turner Osler, about why he created the Core 360 active sitting chair. When you sit badly, you sit badly for many hours a day. And that's really what the problem is. It's very hard to make yourself get up and do jumping jacks every half hour. But if you just swap to a chair that requires you to be muscularly engaged in order not to fall off. It's an easy bar to clear. For the procrastinators out there who hear all the statistics and know how bad sitting is and it's the new smoking and they're thinking, that's something I'll worry about in a few decades, you're gonna feel the effects of having more energy at two o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon that day. And that's the whole point. Your core muscles will be stronger. You'll have less back pain. All of this will make you more available for the rest of the pursuits of your life, your kids, your hobbies, your whatever. those of us who need to practically live in front of computers to do our best creative work, the Core 360 is going to level up your game. Keep your body moving and keep the creativity flowing. To learn more and purchase what I consider to be the topo mat of desk chairs, please go to optimizeyourself.me slash core360. That's optimizeyourself.me slash QOR360.
Yeah, it's it's all about that idea of running your own race. Like exactly not, not saying, well, hold on a second. I'm at the the tough mutter and I've never done this before, but come on, those guys are getting through this obstacle the first time and it seems easy for them and they're not even tired and I'm dying. Like, oh my God, I just I suck. Like this just this is the worst, and I'm I'm so much worse at this than everybody else. And I just don't belong here, right? This isn't for me. But if you look at it as well, here's my baseline. This is how well I did this time. That's fine. I'm okay with that. I accept it. But the next time I run the race, I'm going to have to be at least 1% better, right? That's always the way that I'm... It doesn't matter what I'm doing. It doesn't matter if I'm doing things with my kids or whatever. It's like, how do I just get a little bit better at whatever this thing is? And uh, an example for me that was just like... this, This image is really, really burned in my brain. For anybody that has never done a Spartan race, this might be a tough analogy. But for you, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, you know the multi-rig in the Spartan race. Yes. So that's the one that starts with where it basically has the the like uh, the rings that you can swing on. So anybody that's seen a ring swing, it's pretty easy to, to think about that. And then they have a few kind of thin ropes with knots in them. And then they have like this long bar. It, they change it up a lot. But the, essentially, it's as close as you get to a Ninja Warrior style obstacle because most of the ones at Spartan aren't completely conducive to Ninja Warrior stuff. But this one is. And the first time I tried it, I grabbed the first ring and I went to swing and I fell off because I didn't have enough strength to even hold myself. And Mm -hmm. I said, wow, so that's my baseline. I kind (laughs) of suck at this. And I had zero grip strength. I had nothing. Like I couldn't even hold myself on it. And when I tried it again, even when I grabbed it with both hands, with everything I had, I couldn't swing over and hold on long enough to grab the other one. So I couldn't do one ring on the multi-rig. So that was my baseline. And it's not to say that I'm great at any of the ninja stuff we're doing now, but I have far surpassed my ability to grab one ring. And in the last Spartan race, I flew through the entire multi-rig and I got done with it. And I'm like, wait a second, that wasn't even hard. How is that possible? Mm -hmm. It was because of this mentality of, well, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to go to the gym today and I'm going to do this exercise and that exercise. And I know it's going to make my grip strength just a tiny bit better. But then six months later, I went from I couldn't grab the multi-rig to I ran through the whole thing and it wasn't even a challenge. And I'm trying to teach people that you can apply that to anything in your life. Exactly. I take that same mental mentality into business. Like people are always talking about growth. And if you look at uh, restaurants or any finance or anything, people are always talking about, oh, we got we to gotta hit these numbers. We got to hit our fourth quarter numbers. We got to grow and this, that, and the other thing. Well, I'm not looking to double my production. I'm simply looking to get 1% better. It's just keep progressing because I know there's going to be setbacks. I know there's going to be rough times, but it's just how did I get better today? Like every deal we we do is its own, you know, bundle of chaos. Like there's no easy deal. And if, if you watch TV, people make it look so easy. Okay. That is not like the showing the fancy stuff and the, and the shiny products the nice houses, the nice kitchens, like that's all fun, but it's the paperwork. It's the grind that people don't see. And if anyone says, Oh, you make it look so easy. Okay. That's because you would not see me fail behind closed doors over and over and over. And that's what the multi-rig is. That's what Ninja Warrior is. That's what business is. That's what life is in general. It's just trying to get better every day, trying to better yourself as an individual, trying to better yourself with the team around you. And that's why I like surrounding myself, like guys like you, like guys like Tony Horton and Tyler, who you talked about earlier. It's just surround yourself with those who want it, who just want to be 
as successful as you in whatever field it is. Like Tyler wants to be a rapper. Okay. Be a, be the best rapper out there. Like if you want to be the best podcaster out there, be the best podcaster out there. All I want is this positive vibe. And I don't want to sound like a, a total Californian, but you know, you can put off positive and negative vibes. And that's all I want to do is just when people come out and hang out with me, I just want to be that positive ray of light in people's life. You know? Yeah. I think that that's so important. The other thing that I kind of want to touch on a little bit more with this idea of the 1% better is this concept of the 10,000 hours. Oh yeah. So if we're talking about, I want to get better at anything or master it. So it's not just about getting better. I'm going to master this craft of playing the violin or becoming a film editor, or becoming a writer, or becoming American Ninja Warrior. The concept was popularized by Malcolm Gladwell in his book, The Outliers, but there's been a lot of backlash. And I think that there have to be numerous asterisks added on to the 10,000 hours. And you, I, you can talk about this as well, but the, the one thing that I always tell people when, like, for example, in my industry, people will say, well, I have 30 years of experience editing. Oh my books. God. And oh, I'll say, that. <laughs> yeah, but I have 10,000 hours typing. Uh That doesn't mean that I am an expert typer and I can type 100 words a minute. I type at about the same level that I did a decade ago because I'm not focused on getting better. I just repeat the same behavior over and over and over. Same applies to driving. I drive 10,000 hours. I'm no better than I was when I was 20 and probably a little bit safer and whatever, but I can't drive NASCAR because I put in 10,000 hours in my car. So it's not just about experience. And clearly you're emphatic about this as well. Yes. Oh, it drives me insane. Like I got to tell you, it's, this is, I'm only going on my fourth year of real estate and, you know, not trying to toot my own horn or anything, but we've closed over almost $40 million in transactions. And when I work there's always two sides of the transaction. There's buyer side and seller side, correct? And with that, if I'm on the other side of one of those agents that just says, you know, I've been in the business for 30 years. As soon as they say that, I instantly look up their numbers and see how productive they've been. Okay. And when they're sitting there closing two and three deals a year, well, what good has it done for, what have you been doing the last 30 years? You know, and I'm not, you know, sitting here trying to put myself up on a pedestal or anything, but I enjoy working with other top agents who are doing 20 plus deals a year. Like they just, you know that they're going to get the job done as opposed to doing it leisurely. Like, ah, you know what, I'll get to it when I get to it. You know, because I come from a restaurant background. I used to bartend. Okay. So if you came into the bar and said, Hey, can I get a slice of lemon? Well, guess what? You don't want that lemon in three days. You want it right now. And so that's what I strive to do. It's be on top of my game at all at any hour of the day at all times, you know? And that's why I live this, you know, my little hashtag energized agent is that I want you to never see me tired, you know? I want to always be at my best at all times. You know, if I'm gonna fail, I'm gonna fail, <laughs> I'm gonna fail forward is ultimately what I like to say is, is there's no such thing as failing, you just learn from it, you know? Yep, and I, I, I think to myself, I wanna fail forward and I also wanna fail spectacularly. Oh yeah. So, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to swing from one bar to the next, obviously I don't want to like injure myself, but at the same uh-huh. time, you have to get over that, that kind of that button in your brain. That's like, no, you're going to hurt yourself. Can't do it. Like, no, I'm going to push myself to the point where I'm, there's a small chance I might hurt myself. But if I miss this bar as I'm lacheting from one end to the other, I'm going to fail spectacularly. And my face is just going to hit the floor, just <laughs> like flat against the mat, right? Like it, they have safety precautions. So I know I'm not going to smash my face, but if I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail spectacularly, right? Exactly. And, I mean, and that's one of the things that I love about um, one of the, the things that I, 
you had a large part in doing. And I know that I may have facilitated it, but I don't think I could have created the, the fact that you and I are now spending our Sunday mornings training for Ninja Warrior in Tony Horton's backyard. Insane. I mean, Insane you know, like, how that's nuts. So I, I've known him for years, but I think it was the impetus of sending the work that you've done with Ninja Beach. It was like, oh, okay, this, uh, there's some synergy here. So th- there's, there's a, a, lot of, a lot of reasons that that came together. But that's a whole new level of spectacular failure for me. Like walking in there, I was like, oh my God, am I out of my element here? Like there's former Olympic gymnasts in this group that are doing pike presses after three hours of working out. And I'm like, um... I don't know how to get to the top of the pegboard. How do you guys do that? Like it's, it's a whole nother level of, uh, of failure, but I will say this. And um, I mean, this is a compliment. I'm sure you're going to be like, well, wait, what do you mean? But one thing that's been very heartening for me is going and watching you struggle. It's oh, yeah. like, that's oh, yeah. made me feel so much better. I'm like, Oh, he's human. <laughs> Thank God. This is hard for him. Like that made me feel better. You know what I do? I used to do a, what I like to call a frustration workout once a month, but ever since going down and thank you to you genuinely for getting me down there, but it has become my once a week thing. Like I am not good at a lot of things. Okay. And way back when my, like my first year of Ninja Warrior, I was not good. I would, I hate to say it, but you know, compare you, it's human nature to compare yourself to others, which I really try not to, but when you're, in a small town, people think, oh, you're good. But, you know, on a larger scale, you realize how much work you really need to put into it. And going over to Tony Horton's, I mean, you look at guys who are 23 years old to 62 years old, okay? And what I love about going over there is that no one's good at everything, okay? We like to call it top of the mountain, bottom of the well. Because when we're doing these it, the workout every Sunday morning breaks down to about 20 different things. Yeah, just just 20 different um, exercises. It's basically sure. a push-pull routine where you alternate pushing and you alternate pulling. But it's not like, hey, let's do five pull-ups and then let's do 10 push-ups. Like every yeah, no, no, one no. of these is ridiculously hard and every set is to failure. Everyone. Yeah, everyone. And so with that, I, you know, you go from pegboard or the ninja rig, which I can you know, crush, which I feel really good about. But then the very next obstacle is handstand press. And I currently can't do one, can't do a single one. And I look at these guys who are over 60 years old and they're knocking out 10 in a row strict. Like they look like they're in slow motion live. And I just, my, my, my jaw is just dropped for these guys who just crush it. And that's just it. It's, I like to put myself in uncomfortable situations where I have to get better. And I like to find my weakness, pinpoint it, and then just each week progressively get better and better and better. And so I'm addicted to going over there now. So not only are we doing Ninja Beach, but I'm going over to Tony's in the morning, Sunday morning, and then with the truck loaded and headed straight to Ninja Beach afterwards, you know? Yeah, your your Sundays are ridiculous. Like at best, I'm going to be alternating week to week, but my body is just not physically capable of doing both of those and then functioning the next day. Because for me, the biggest struggle is not the workout because it's, I mean, it's an incredibly difficult physical workout. But when you're in that group, like the energy is just there and you push through and you feel great. 
it's the Monday after that I'm really struggling <laughs> with right now. Like the Monday after is just a very, very ugly thing. It's just not a good thing. Foam rollers and water. That's what it's all about. Oh, I, was, I, I, was, I, I did foam rolling for an hour and a half last night. Oh my God. Um, and it's the foam roller and the lacrosse ball. And I've got tools. They're my best friends. Like I, I worked out with my trainer this morning before coming here. It was an hour with foam rollers and lacrosse balls. He's like, dude, you shouldn't even be doing pull-ups right now. Like, let's just get in and dig out all this crap that's in your arms and your shoulders and your forearms. And it was just an hour of that, like breaking into a sweat just on the ground, but oh focusing on recovery. Yeah. But that sounds brutal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it really was. Like he was digging his knuckles into my bicep tendon and behind the scapula. Like it was basically, think of the worst deep tissue massage ever times five. Okay. I got one for you. So my wife is, you know, she's hundred plus pounds or whatever. And she's got these little tiny fingers. And so I'll come home on Sundays and she'll just dig into my, my chicken wing. You know, when you pull your arm behind you and your shoulder blade pops out and she'll get all those, all those knots in there. And she won't even be pushing. And I will be in tears. Just my God. She's just, just like, she just sits there and says, shut up. Let me work this out. Just, <laughs> like, it's like she's breaking me every single night. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. No, but the, the, re- the reason that I bring that up though, is that something that I, what I've found to kind of be like one of my, my unique strengths is my ability to take something very difficult that just looks like it can't be done. Whether it's as a film editor for 20 years, taking a hundred hours of footage and turning it into 90 minutes or something, or just taking any goal and breaking it down into its individual parts. So people are like, Oh, this seemed impossible, but now I see it. Now I get it. What the reason that I chose to go after American Ninja Warrior was to force myself into the extreme discomfort zone with something that most people would say, well, really? I mean, that's, that's kind of a stretch. Like you're a little old and you've got kids and you're not really in that kind of shape. I'm like, but no, this is going to help me hone and perfect my skills to break down something really, not impossible, but pretty close to it and figure out what are the little tiny action steps that I take every single day that get me 1% closer. And for me, the biggest action step has always been mobility. So when I talk about how to take this giant macro goal and break it down to micro goals, I don't wake up in the morning saying, I'm going to be on American Ninja Warrior. I wake up in the morning and say, well, I've got to put a lacrosse ball in my left hip flexor for 10 minutes. Uh-huh. That's it. Like that's, that's, it. that's the way that I look at the goal. Or I need to show up at Tony Horton's. And last week I did 30 seconds of the handstand um, where you're just holding it at the end. The week before I did 17 seconds. Well, this week I've got to do 31 seconds. That's it. There you go. You got to eat the elephant one bite at a time. That's right. So that's really what I want to inspire people to do is realize that it's not just about putting in the hours. It's not saying, hey, I work 60 hours a week. Well, I don't care. I work 40 hours a week. And who do you think is getting more done? It's about what you're doing, how you're doing it, and really focusing on improving every little thing, not just about, you know, putting in the hours, so to speak. And you know, really focusing on how you're doing as opposed to comparing yourself to others. So I want to tell you this before. I really have a feeling you're going to get on the, the show this year is coming up. But I, I will say this is that running the course is the easiest part of the show. So please always remember that. Yes. Okay. And, that, and that's what I tell people about the Spartan races that I train with is I'm like, listen, my goal is for you to have fun on race day. Training is going to suck. You hate me during training. So what I always say to them is hate me today, love me tomorrow. 
Mm-hmm. So when we go to the race, they're like, my God, the race was, it was so much easier than I thought. I'm like, see, you're smiling, you're enjoying it, but it's because of the time that you put in. So for me, I'm not actually worried about, well, am I going to be able to get on the course? Like, what is it? Maybe three minutes at best? Uh-huh. Like, it's, so it's, that's really what's more interesting to me than anything else is I have to learn and teach myself to embrace the process and embrace the discomfort. That's the part that so many people miss with any huge goal. Like, for example, in my industry, it's, oh, well, ultimately, I, you know, I want to edit feature films that I want to win an Oscar. That's pretty much everybody's ultimate goal. And I say, well, do you realize what it actually takes to do that? Have you investigated what does the process look like every single day for the next 30 years of your life? Are you willing to do that? And mm-hmm. they kind of get this look and they're like, oh, I mean, the Oscar looked great, but I, I don't know if I could do that. It's like you have to understand and be willing to embrace the process. And I love the process. So for me, yeah. getting on the show, cool. It'll be fun. Like I'll have something I can put on my website, but it's the process that I'm so much more interested in. Yeah. Don't rush the process. Trust the process. That's what it's all about. Exactly. So on that note, um, I want to uh, trust the process and make sure that I'm respecting your time because we are a little bit over because we had uh, some fun little technical snafus at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Uh, But luckily, we overcame our obstacles of not having internet or stupid software updates, not recording the show, but we got it in the books. Um, So I cannot thank you enough for taking time on a Friday morning to chat with me and inspire me every single time we work out together and now inspire my audience as well. So I really appreciate you being. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for investing both your time and energy listening to today's show. If you were inspired by this conversation, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app of choice and most importantly, leave a review because that helps move the show to the top of iTunes and get our message out there to those who need it the most. Simply visit optimizeyourself.me slash subscribe to never miss another episode. Lastly, stay safe, healthy, sane, and most importantly, be well. One last thing before I lose you. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you subscribe to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'm even going to send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me newsletter, and I will see you in your inbox.